President Obama goes to Riyadh today, Tuesday, January 27th. This is The World. I'm Marco Werman. The U.S. and Saudi Arabia reaffirm their close ties, but a group of American human rights activists want the president to do more about a blogger sentenced to a thousand lashes. They say they'll take on his punishment. We ask the Saudi government, please, do not carry out any more lashing. And if you insist on carrying out the punishment, the full 1,000 lashes, we would each take 100 lashes. Also today, who killed ex-Russian agent Alexander Litvinenko in London in 2006? And feeling sorry for ourselves here in the blizzard in Boston, we decided to call a friend in the Northwest Territories. It's not too bad today. It's it's, uh, into the minus 40s, so uh, pretty typical for Yellowknife. Support for PRI's The World comes from TIAA-CREF, a financial services company helping to create financial outcomes that matter. Learn more at TIAA.org. I'm Marco Werman, and it's The World. The final flakes of snow of this massive nor'easter winter storm are falling here in Boston. Skies still not clear, not unlike my understanding of not one, but two murder conspiracies we'll tell you about on the world today. One in Argentina, a prosecutor looking into a bombing. The other, a Russian poisoned in London. We turn first, though, to solemn ceremonies today in Poland. World leaders and 300 Holocaust survivors gathered in a giant white tent, enclosing the gates of what was the Auschwitz concentration camp. Seventy years ago today, the camp was liberated by the Soviets, the Red Army. Auschwitz survivor Marian Tursky will never forget first arriving in the summer of 1944. The first day of my arrival to Auschwitz, it was three o'clock in the morning, But still, it was dark, but with the greatest impression, enormous great fire getting out from from chimneys. And then fences. He was 18 when he stepped onto the platform at the Auschwitz-Birkenau railway station. And then we started marching, and suddenly I noticed a sign in German, zur Sauna, to the bathroom. But it is not the bathroom, it would be the gas chamber. And imagine I soiled my pants. The real bathroom looked exactly the same shape as the crematorium and the gas chamber. And then they ordered us to undress, and then they started shaving us. Then they put a disinfection uh, uh, to the louse, mean. It was so burning, it was like a fire, and everybody was screaming and shouting, everybody but me, because I understood I am to life. Tursky did live, but more than a million people were killed there. Everybody was to, 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 to survive among us. Everybody insists, get up and wash yourself in order to save your dignity. Every day was half an hour to talk, to teach languages among ourselves, to speak about politics. It was absurd. But nevertheless, just to move your brain, to save your dignity. And this was, I am sure that in my case, this was why I survived. Holocaust survivor Marian Tursky. There are fewer and fewer survivors alive, so we need to hear these stories while we can. 
One more story now. This one's set in 1942. The place is Mechelen, Belgium, just outside of Brussels. Belgium was occupied by the Nazis in 42. 11-year-old Simon Granovsky was one of more than 1,500 Jews in a detention camp. On April 19th of that year, Granovsky, his mother, and sister were put on a train bound for Auschwitz. The train had some 30 cars locked from the outside. No food, no water, very little light. A small group of Belgian resistance fighters, one Jew and two Catholics, used a red lamp to fool the train driver into stopping suddenly. Some deportees, Granovsky remembers, made a break for it. And then I heard screams and yelling from the German guards, and then I heard shooting. Eventually, the train continued. Granovsky remembers falling asleep in his mother's arms. When he awoke, he found that some of the young men in his wagon had forced open the door to the boxcar. My mother led me up to the open door, and there, two...